0: Welcome to Talking Vartan, the Knights and Daughters of Vartan podcast. I'm Asped David Mezzorian of Ararat Lodge Number 1 in Boston. You just heard the Hymn of Arzach, composed by Armin Nasibyan from the album The Music of Armenia, Celestial Harmonies, Nagorno-Kharabakh. It is a sight we had hoped never to see again. Armenians by the thousands, leaving their homeland, bringing with them only what their vehicles could carry. Their aim? To survive and begin new lives away from the land they had called home. The land we know as Artsakh. The war that began on September 27th, when Azeri forces attacked Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh, came to an official end on November 10th, with the signing by all sides of a peace accord, but that is not the end of the story. The past week has been an emotional roller coaster for Armenians all over the world. The feelings expressed by people both in Armenia and here in the diaspora are those of sadness, helplessness, anger, and confusion. Armenia has lost thousands of brave soldiers, families have been uprooted, and people everywhere are asking Now what? What is next for our people? We won't be answering those questions here today. The military and political consequences of the Artsakh War are beyond the scope of this podcast. Be assured, however, that there are plenty of online venues where what has happened and what it means are being discussed candidly and at length. Today, on our 23rd episode, we'll paint a picture of Artsakh itself through the eyes and lens of an award winning photojournalist who visited the region only last year. Ken Martin, a friend of mine, is the owner of Kenneth Martin Photography here in Boston but he has traveled the world with his cameras over the years to capture images of the famous and unknown. He was there taking pictures of Nelson Mandela during his trip to Boston following his release from prison in 1990. He joined me in covering the visit of Armenia's first president, Ter-Petrosian to New England in August of 1994. A year ago, he photographed the dedication of Nasser's new headquarters in Belmont, Massachusetts, and the gala banquet which followed. His work has appeared in publications around the world, most recently, The Armenian Mirror Spectator, where his photos of the demonstrations against the war in Artsakh were displayed. His written words usually accompany his pictures, for Ken Martin is one heck of a writer. He is also a teacher of photography at Suffolk University in Boston and has shared his photography skills in classes and with students across Europe, as well as Armenia. In July of 2019, he visited Artsakh spending several days taking pictures of its beautiful vistas and meeting and photographing as many of its people as he could. Ken Martin spoke to me from his home in Bolton, Massachusetts. Ken, it's been a wrenching week for Armenians around the world. As a journalist and as an Armenian, what's going through your mind and heart today?
1: You know, uh, I think we all have a great sense of loss, uh, first of all, of disbelief, uh, people are still stunned and, and not really able to articulate, uh, the way they feel. Uh, so, uh, if you, you know, were to go to social media or talk to friends, uh, uh there's no clarity at the moment, um, except this feeling of being, uh, just, just stunned about things. Uh, I, because have been, I've been there and many people have been there, but, uh, a lot happened as well but uh you know i feel really for the people who just reminded me so much about uh of my own family uh you know i saw i saw if you can believe it my grandmother's uh, you know there in the marketplace and uh stephan our mm-hmm. uh, uh, i didn't physically see her but women who were just like her in fact i was even um uh, people told me that when you go there, the, the dialect is different. You won't, you won't understand it. And, uh, I got there and I thought I was listening to grandma, you know, they had her dialect. So, um, I, I didn't have any problem with that, but I do feel this tremendous sense of loss, uh, disbelief, uh, after seeing that, you know, it's really Armenian, uh, the monuments, the landscape, uh, The people, everything about it says that this is an Armenian place and it has been for a very long time.
0: Now, as a photojournalist, you've had the chance to take photos all over the world. Your first and only trip to Artsakh was in July of last year, 2019. Tell me what it was that brought you to Artsakh.
1: I went there out of a personal desire, out of a long-time involvement with the Armenian community, out of my studies and history Uh, and also in uh, photography, always wanting to tell the story. And many people had returned to Armenia after the uh, uh, end of the Soviet Union uh, to visit, uh, to see what it was like, to find their roots. It was a roots journey uh, for many, and it was a roots journey for me. Uh, My exact roots aren't right there, but um, it was as close as I could get, given uh, uh, the conditions and the situation. Uh, So it was something I just had to do. And uh, because of my work, uh, I eventually, I teach also uh, photography and photojournalism. And uh, because of that, I was able to um, uh, secure and uh, get invited to teach at the American University of Armenia. And uh, while preparing for that, uh, the way I got to Artsakh was by going to St. James Church right in uh, Watertown uh, to a lecture that was taking place Mm -hmm. uh, where I wanted to promote the class. I thought that uh, at the time, everything wasn't finalized. I thought it was a study abroad class and uh, I needed to uh, inform students uh, here and elsewhere that they could join that class. As it turned out, it was a class of uh, students from Armenia uh, with a couple of uh, American Armenians uh, in the class and uh, so I went to an event at St. James uh, by the scholars uh, uh, from Armenia, young scholars who are at Tufts University. And it was a wonderful lecture, and we listened to them all. And when it was time for question and answer, uh, or just <laughs> typically in Armenian fashion, uh, just answer. Oh yeah, uh, usually from the questioner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I waited for all that to blow by. And uh, then I stood up and I spoke directly. To the young students uh, who were there I introduced myself and I said uh, you know they were trying to get young uh, uh, business people and entrepreneurs uh, to go to Armenia to, uh, to experience it and to help and uh, with the economy and with everything else and uh, so I stood up and I said um, I'll be teaching at uh, American University of Armenia and I'm really looking forward to go there and the students I'll be teaching will be doing final projects And it'll be about the Yerevan and its environs and anything else they might find of interest in Armenia. And I'm hoping that those of you who will have returned and will be in your respective jobs will be open to having them interview you and photograph you. And uh, I said, so I don't know about anyone else in this room, but I'm going to Armenia this summer. I'm in. And when I did, the whole room just uh, broke into applause. It was wonderful. And uh
0: how is your so, armenian by the way do you speak fluently
1: Well depends on
0: <laughs> who i talk to Okay well the dialects I, are different it's a different dialect over there though eastern armenian is uh i mean from what i've been told and and i've done some learning of eastern armenian over the last uh seven or eight months is that that people who know the western dialect can get by over there I mean my parents know Western Armenian my mother, my mom and my late father right and they've been to Artsakh and they said yeah you, you you can get by you know they, they you people understand what the other one is trying to say to them was the language issue a barrier for you at all or was it not a problem at all
1: No, it wasn't a barrier for me for a couple of reasons. One, that you just mentioned, people are very kind. Armenians in general are very kind to non-Armenian speakers or to, uh, let's say, American-born or others who have never learned the language. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and you might struggle, but they help you out, and they're very kind. Oftentimes, they'll speak in English too much. That way, you can't learn. But uh, I grew up just learning from my grandparents and, and my family uh speaking of the basics <laughs> kitchen armenian we yeah. used to say um but i made sure that i had a lot of uh, armenian friends when i was young i belonged to some youth groups and and later i i made an intentional effort to get to know uh immigrants recent immigrants uh, at the time from uh, lebanon or syria later iran um i married one of those immigrants from iran did you and, yes and that's how uh i started learning uh eastern armenian through her family and through uh, conversation. Okay. So I have a very <laughs> eclectic blend of Western and Eastern, and maybe a few borrow words from other Middle Eastern cultures in there, uh, but everyone is kind enough uh, to go along. And uh, as time goes by, I get a lot better at it. Um, practicing my my reading and writing these days, uh, just so uh, I, I polish things up uh, even more. Let me back up just a bit to that meeting at St. James. Okay. At the end, a young man came up to me, and a young woman came up to me. She seemed familiar, and turns out I had photographed her not long before at the uh, Armenian Heritage Park on an April 24th event, holding a flag of Artsakh. And I recognized her, she introduced herself, and then he introduced himself. His name was Artag uh, Gregorian, uh, and she was Varduhi Avanesyan And he told me that he was the director of tourism of Artsakh. And he was wondering if I would like to visit Artsakh at his invitation. Wow. And, you know, that's how things happen. And I try to tell young people all the time, especially my students, uh, when you're you're networking or meeting people, uh, you never know where it's going to happen. You have to be proactive. If I hadn't gone to that meeting, uh, I would have never met them. If I hadn't raised my hand and spoken up, it would have never happened. So he said, please, if, if you'd like to come, I said, I'd love to come. I've read all about Artsakh. I've read all the uh, uh, textbooks and everything. I would certainly love to do it. And uh, he said, okay, then uh, we will. And we stayed in touch, and we made arrangements so that I would go a little early because my class was approved uh, in Yerevan which was going to be for six weeks. And uh, so I went a little bit early. My son Craig came along. I didn't think he would, but when I asked him, he said he'd love to go with me. And it was a great experience for him. And in the very early days of our stay there, uh, we made connections with a with an excellent guide and uh, he drove us to Artsakh. So we got a chance to see everything on the way there and the countryside on the way in. And uh, part of the deal was that I would give a lecture on the first evening uh, to a group of uh, students and uh, local photographers and enthusiasts uh, who were there. I was going to speak at the TUMO Center as well, but they weren't able to make those arrangements.
0: For those who don't know the geography of the area, how far a drive was that from Yerevan to Artsakh?
1: That was a six hour drive.
0: My goodness, okay.
1: Oftentimes when uh, you told people you were going, they'd say, oh, you've got a long drive ahead of you. Well, you know, all my life I've been hearing you've got a long drive ahead of you. Well, you know, (laughs) uh, the journey is uh, one of the most important parts of the destination, they say. Uh, And uh, I love the journey. I photograph from the car. We make frequent stops. I want to see the landscape and the people. I don't want to just land there and, you know, not, not get to see those things. Of course. So that was very important.
0: So once you got there,
1: so we arrived at the International Hotel, we got settled for a few minutes, splashed some water on our faces and headed back out again. And we went to a place called the Roots Cafe, a gathering place in Stepanagert for uh, artists, uh, intellectuals, uh, those interested in Armenian things uh, and coffee. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And uh, so waiting there was a group of people of all ages. Uh, They had a a special presentation center uh, in the uh, lower area. And we gathered, um, uh, introduced myself, and I had prepared a a PowerPoint slide presentation, uh, which I called uh, Photojournalism Begins at Home. And I started showing examples of the family albums that I had that uh, both my grandfathers uh, had put together on their own. It was a popular thing to do then with early photos of the family in their early days of immigration. Uh, One of my grandfathers uh, had started this album after uh, after they left their homes and wound up in uh, in Aintab in Syria or Turkey at the time. And um He started collecting pictures and postcards and having family photos made. And I said, this is how it starts. We started home uh, a couple of generations ago, and eventually I pick up a camera and I start photographing, first family, as most of us do. And then I went on to uh, start turning my lens out uh, to the larger world. Uh, First, the Armenian world was what I first encountered, and I've been photographing that ever since um, uh, in the U.S. And uh, then I started getting involved with the rest of the world in an international way and uh, started photographing all the places I've been, got involved with news and photojournalism and, uh, and took it from there. And I showed them many of the Really, well, we photojournalists say we like to be on the front pages, not front pages, but on the front lines of history. Mm -hmm. And and that's happened many times. And uh, I've gone to political demonstrations, uh, 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 political events, historic events. Uh, For me, one of the greatest ones that stands out was uh, Nelson Mandela's visit to Boston when he first um, was released from prison. Uh, it was uh, just a fantastic uh, event to cover. I was proud to do it, and I started working for agencies after that.
0: I saw the uh, photographs of that that are actually on your website, and we'll talk a little bit yes. about that later, about how people can see some of, the, some of these wonderful examples uh, of your work, not only in Artsakh, but around the world.
1: Yes, so, uh, so that continued on. I, I joined some agencies. Um, one agency in particular was really unique, uh, I had taken a trip with some artists and uh, musicians uh, to, uh, uh, to Central America, to Nicaragua back in the 80s, at the recommendation of my sister-in-law, actually. She saw the notice that they were looking for people uh, to bear witness to what was going on there. It was uh, still in a wartime condition, um, and uh, I connected with these people and showed them my work, and they accepted me into the group, so I went there. And when I got back, I started showing the photos around. This is just as my business was starting in the early 80s. And uh, it it was amazing. Uh, I first connected with a client back then. They saw my photos that I submitted for a competition and they hired me. It was a a Massachusetts uh, Legal Assistance Corporation. And they uh, asked me to photograph the first uh, legal needs study of the poor in Massachusetts. So they saw what I had done there, and they wanted me to do that here, and it was quite a success. And and I worked for them for thirty years after that. That's terrific. Uh, yeah, so that was great. But the important thing, the other important thing, is that got me into uh, the Impact Visuals Agency, which had just started, and they were a unique agency that wouldn't wouldn't uh, uh, distribute their work to just any any publication. It had to be a publication that. Uh, according to their rules, was doing the right thing in life, was trying to help people. So I saw photography as a way of helping. And that's what I showed uh, in the presentation um, in Stepanakert in Artsakh. And people really responded to it. I think they love seeing uh, the Armenian faces, especially from the past. Uh, You know, when when the great breakup uh, happened uh, during the genocide, people from similar places wound up going in different directions. And some went north into Armenia uh, and into southern Russia and into Iran and other places and all over the Middle East. And some went as far as the United States, Australia and other places. So it was kind of like bringing together a a, a collective family.
0: Right. So once you were there and you had that initial meeting, did you actually have time on your own to to get out and see the countryside and and just talk to the average citizen of Artsakh to... uh, get their impressions on what it is about that place that they love so much?
1: Yes, I did, David. We actually started in Stepanakert. Uh, the very next morning, we got up early. They were going to provide us uh, with guides uh, who I can mention uh, in a minute. Uh, but we, I love to get out on my own when I go places. You're like and me.
2: You- <laughs> yeah, same yes, way.
1: That's, what, that's why we're speaking together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, so the first place I usually go, you know, I've led my, my classes, uh, my Suffolk university classes to Italy, Spain, uh, West Africa. And the first thing we do on the first day is we go to the marketplace. So I found the Stepanaget Central Market. Uh, we went there and we walked in and, ah, uh, you know, it was <laughs> like being in grandma's house.
0: Really describe uh, it for those of us who've never had a chance to see it.
1: Yes, the, the, wonderful, um, the wonderful aromas uh, coming out of that market and the smiling faces when we went in uh, were very welcoming. And the first, uh, of course, there's a, a variety of, of, of uh, baked goods, uh, especially uh, lavash and other baked products. Uh, lavash flatbread, very fresh. Oh, yeah. Not like the stuff we get here that we buy in a store that's been you know, shipped from someplace else two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was
0: just the freshest of the fresh. Oh, yeah. And, You're making my mouth we, water already, so.
1: Yeah. And we immediately encountered uh, something I hadn't seen before. And everyone talks about it who's been there, of course. They call it uh, uh, Chingalov Huts. And it's um, it's a bread. It looks kind of like an Indian naan and um, freshly uh, 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 done on a griddle. And uh, with a with a kind of uh, sort of uh, a triangular shape, and uh, and the ladies are chopping with a fine knife herbs, and it looks like you know we're used to you know we say sochiav uh, uh, you know uh, onions and parsley to put on uh, uh, kebab or something, and I saw the onions and I saw the parsley. But I kept seeing other herbs and it, it turns out it was like 22 different herbs from the mountains that uh, they gather and they chop together. I mean, what a powerful uh, breakfast really? uh, with all that green. And, and so they would put that in and they would fold it over and, and you'd eat it. And that was breakfast. And it was just fantastic. And I just mentioned uh you know our driver was with us. I should mention uh our driver uh Zorab uh, Zorabian, nicknamed Zoro mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> who, who friends had recommended um uh to us, uh especially friends from around the Worcester area, Worcester whitensville, you know that's where uh my people come from Boston, watertown uh they all mentioned him, so we connected, and he was the best person ever. And uh, so, so um, he was standing next to us, and I said, "Gee, we have everything here but coffee." And uh-huh. he smiled at me, and and he winked at one of the elderly women behind the counter, and she said in Armenian, "Oh, I'll go get some," and she ran off. Oh, two how nice! Later, she was back with Armenian coffee. Oh, yeah. And- and a little, uh, the Barskahais call them nazugs, little uh, uh, butter cookies. And we had our breakfast there with the Chingalov Hats, and then we started our documentation inside. And I typically like to uh, show respect to people by explaining what I'm doing first and asking for permission. In some cultures, that's that's very important. Of course. And, and, uh, and they would smile and they would answer and, of course, let me photograph. But Zorro said why are you asking everyone? And I said, I just want to show respect. He said, they looked at you. They know who you are. You don't have to ask, just go and photograph. (laughs) And that was unusual for me. So that, that said something about the friendliness and the acceptance of people, of everyone. It wasn't just because I was Armenian. Most people look at me and don't, don't know I'm Armenian. And certainly my last name (laughs) is in the giveaway. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, um, uh, so we went into the marketplace. My son shot video. Uh, I shot uh, stills, uh, conversed with people, saw all the wonderful products they had, uh, and, uh, and spent part of the morning there. Then we walked around the neighborhood, which I al- also love to do with my students, uh, and around the city. Um, later, uh, we met uh, Anush Avanesyan, who um, the... Uh, tourism department had sent over to us. She said she was going to be our guide for the day. And she wanted to to take us along with Zorro driving uh, to all the historic sites, um, uh, especially south of um, Stepanagert. And uh, so we went through Shushi and uh, and several other centers. We went to some important um, monasteries and historic sites, all about to be lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, we did see those. I can talk about them in particular. Tell us, uh, you tell me what
0: do. made the biggest impressions on you that when you saw it, your eyes just popped open and you couldn't believe it. It was the beauty of it all, because that's, that's something I've heard from so many different people who have visited Artsakh that there is just such incredible beauty and that it it just hits you all of a sudden that my god look look at all of this you know all this history these gorgeous vistas and this incredible landscape and topography and all of that what were the things that really struck you well you said it i mean uh you can't help uh, but but love it and
1: what we always do is we try to compare it to something else that we've seen and I don't want to say it's incomparable, but for me, it was Vermont in the early summer—the hills of Vermont, the mm-hmm. uh, the beautiful uh, trees, the green, uh, the unbroken vistas. However, the big difference is it wasn't just the green mountains; these were. The southern Caucasus. they had stone peaks and they would soar and they would be for for a photographer or an artist sometimes we think in layers and there were uh, layer after layer after layer of landscape a beautiful valley a green hill behind it mountains behind that mountains behind those and uh, just just uh, wonderful uh, calming i mean these days people talk about a uh, forest washing by walking through the forest and getting back to nature, uh, which is something I've always done, just naturally, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was very comforting and uh, just uh, beautiful. And you know the words "Garabagh" uh, uh, are, you know, the Turkish translation is the um, uh, the Black Garden, and the agricultural production is amazing uh, and. You won't hear me use the word amazing again. I don't use it very much. It's much overused, I think, in our culture. But it was a truly a wonderful thing to see: orchards, trees that were hundreds, if not more than a thousand years old, especially near the monasteries. You would suddenly see uh, the cupola of a ancient church, and uh, the first one we stopped at was the Amaras uh, complex. Amaras. And uh, there was uh, the site of a uh, fourth-century uh, structure. This is where uh, Mesrop Mashtots held his classes, the inventor of the Armenian alphabet.
0: My goodness! Uh,
1: yes, the classroom is uh, still there. The church is the church that's there now. That's being used is built at a later date, but there was a fortress around it. And, um, Is there something there, to,
0: though, that told people that this was, in fact, where Mesro Mashtots had...
1: The historical uh, organizations and tourism in Artsakh have uh, placed plaques at all of these sites. Okay. And, and to bring it home to the Boston area, also the Armenian Tree Project throughout Armenia and in Artsakh, uh, I'm pretty sure I've got got it right. I saw so many monasteries during my stay, um, have put placed plaques also describing uh, the location and the support given by the Tree Project and, and various donors to the Tree Project to rehabilitate a lot of these sites. And most of what we saw had been rehabilitated or was were currently under uh, uh, reconstruction. And so- a lot of
0: people have been talking about the different parts of Artsakh and, and all of the people who were there. And, and one location that you hear mentioned almost more than anything else is Shushi. I right. know you spent some time there, including the the church that was bombed. Yes, Church of, of
1: the Holy Church of the Holy Savior. Correct. Uh, Gazan, Gazan
0: I was going to try to say it in Armenian, and I every time I've tried, I just it just never came out right. So I wasn't even. Well, going you
1: heard, to... you heard me stumble.
0: <laughs> Tell me about what it was like to be there.
1: We went there on our way. Out of Artsakh, when we had finished our our, our tours, our lecture, uh, our wonderful uh, walkabouts with uh, people in Stepanagert, and it was time to leave, we went through um, Shushi, and we took the road up to Shushi. We saw that there was a, a memorial tank there from the nineteen nineties uh, war, mm-hmm. uh, and, and stopped there for a look and see, and and talked to some. Uh, people visiting there. And then we went up the road to Shushi, which I just saw in a video the other day uh, with the soldiers uh, returning from there. And I think it was Civil Net TV, one of their great reporters uh, said, let's take a drive up to Shushi and see what it's like. And there it was, everything that we saw. Uh, And we stopped right in front of the Gazan Chetots. and, uh, And I went in uh, so in front, it was wonderful. There were people posing with soldiers and uh, some tourists and locals. And, uh, you know, there's a, a, a double arch that you go through. There's one uh, structure in the front with an archway in it, and and you go through that. It was a steeple. And then you go into the church. And I went in and mass was being held. So I entered the church and after my uh, long years of photographing in churches, documenting Armenian community and other communities, um, you know, most people uh, would hesitate and worry about it. But in my quiet way, I found a nice vantage point and I just photographed as mass was taking place. Uh, The Derhide was there, just as we see, or as Armenians see in their churches. The parishioners, uh, they do things a little differently than uh, we do uh, here. There's much more uh, signing of the cross and a lot of devotion and people lighting candles and praying there. And, you know, for a photographer to have that beautiful, available light Mm -hmm. coming from from candles is a, a wonderful thing. So I made some photos. Of course I shoot a lot, but I wish I, now looking back at it, wish I had shot a lot more, but I did document was what was there, all of the paintings. I have a high resolution camera, meaning it, it is really sharp and clear. So I photographed the paintings and you know what? I used one of them for my Christmas card uh, last year. Oh, how nice. Uh, and I was able to, yes, I was able to copy that and use that and, and write that it was located uh, in the church there. And then I went out and photographed the general area, photographed some, some areas around the town, and we, we went on our way to the uh, to the next stop.
0: Talk about the people of Artsakh, the ones that you had a chance to talk to and photograph, the the adults and the children. What kind of an impression did they make on you?
1: They made the impression of being... Innocence. They're innocent people, good people, just going about their daily lives. Uh, you know, they weren't off to the corporate job or, uh, you know, rushing to meet some deadline. Uh, they were just doing things that, uh, you know, I've seen in several other traditional countries. Uh, working their uh, regular job in the marketplace, uh, going to school, uh, a lot of retirees around playing uh, backgammon or chess. Um, uh, people uh, just learning and 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 like my grandma used to do. Again, I have to go back there, sitting around uh, sipping coffee. Most of it was on a weekend, and uh, and and just carrying on with life. Everyone with a smile, everyone happy to talk to uh, a new person,
0: R- very open, open, uh, welcoming and, and warm. It sounds like the photographs that you took of people in the act of just being themselves and enjoying their day were the ones that you enjoy taking the most.
1: Yes, certainly. And, and they would talk to you not as if you were an outsider, but uh, you were one and the same. And, and when we think about it, it's true. Maybe we've been displaced, maybe uh we were speaking another language uh but it made no difference. uh the attempt to speak any Armenian at all uh it, it, you know was was good, and they <laughs> I'm sure they might have thought to themselves, well, it's one of them, you know uh but uh they, they were totally accepting, and um, I just feel so much for them now. Uh, wondering what happened. I look at the faces I photograph. Uh, I look at the people in the streets and I hope they survived. Uh, I hope they're safe and I hope life comes back to some sort of normal, uh, given the fact that at least it seems uh, we have uh, preserved uh, presence in, in Stepanagert.
0: One of the photos, and I'm sure you've seen it uh, in the last uh, several weeks, that made such an impression upon me was the photograph of that newly married couple who were married in the church in Shushi after the bombing. To me, that was just such a a poignant scene because it showed that life was continuing, and in this case, two lives were beginning for the first time as as a married couple, amidst all of this devastation, and it really gave one hope. What is it that you want, those of us who have never been there, and let me just say that we were planning on visiting Artsakh, the Knights and Daughters of Vartan, as part of our Veratats Heidenik trip, which is an annual trip that we make in September. It was going to be my first, and we were going to begin that visit in September with a few days in Artsakh. And, of course, thanks to COVID, that never happened. But what are the things that you want people to know about that region, its people, that means so much to you.
1: Well, the important thing to remember is the people, most of the people have been there for generations yes, and beyond. It is Armenian land when you uh, walk on it. I mean, there's been a politics throughout the centuries of lands shifting from one power to another. But the important thing is Armenians have maintained their presence on that land, no matter who was in charge, whether it was the Persian uh, shahs or the Turkish sultans or the Russian czars, Uh, they stayed there, and uh, therefore they need to stay there. And, uh, I mean, that politics might change, but, uh, I mean, the best memories for me are are. The people themselves, just seeing their faces, seeing them comfortable in their own home, and I mean all of Artsakh, Uh, uh, having lived that continuous or having been there as a continuous family and a continuous occupation of the area. No matter what anyone says it belongs to them or it belongs to someone else, uh, I think it belongs to the people who were there. And uh, I think that uh, they have to stay even in the areas that have been ceded. Uh, Those memories, I mean, the city is a city. It, there's nothing so unique about it that you can look at. It's in a valley and all of that. It could be a city anywhere. But once you get close, it's the people that make it uh, it's the young students I saw in the streets. It's the people who came to my, my, uh, my talk, my lecture. Uh, it's the people in, in the marketplace. Um, uh, it's, it's the, I don't know, we use the expression all the time, the Armenian eyes. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, the eyes have it. And uh, when you look and you connect, for me, it's connecting with history, uh, with life and with uh, just humanity. So those are my memories. The buildings are buildings. Uh, the old buildings, uh, of course, are are historic, but the fact that, that life goes on and they, I can't say they anymore, we are still there, uh, albeit now in a, uh, a difficult situation, but I think we're going to still be there and things are going to carry on and uh, we have to help
0: uh, to make that happen. Indeed we do, God willing. I know you've got about a minute left uh, because you've got another event that you'll be participating in uh, momentarily. Does the photojournalist in you wish you could be there right now to document what's going on?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I should have been there. I should have been there. You know, uh, there a uh, couple of reasons. And uh, one was COVID. I didn't go back to teach because, uh, you know, they had uh, put restrictions on Uh, People coming in as COVID was spreading, so I didn't go back this past summer, and we were under lockdown here. Uh, I know a lot of people uh, did get out, but there are a few other, you know, some more personal reason that uh, I couldn't go. I punish myself constantly, mentally, that I should have been there. Uh, I mean, documenting things is, is what I do, and it took me a long time to finally get to Armenia and to get to Artsakh. Uh, just the uh, necessities of life uh, prevented me from going. And when it finally happened, I was, I guess, a latecomer, but I I started a new area of documentation and I wanted to continue it. And all of these things uh, got in the way. And uh, I'm just so happy that there are Armenian photographers. Some of them I met at uh, AUA and in Yerevan who managed to get there. And that some of our news agencies, uh, some of them started by uh, American-born Armenians, uh, uh, were able to cover the story in some detail and continue to do so. It's uh, like the the revolution, recent revolution that I missed, and what's going on now in the streets is uh, important uh, for people to be documenting that for the um, for the historic. Uh, uh, archive of humanity, uh, what
0: is happening now. And you took so Uh, many wonderful photographs in Artsakh in July of 2019. Is there a way that people can see them?
1: Well, I've posted many, and I was posting them regularly on my my Facebook pages, uh, uh, facebook.com backslash Kenneth Martin Photography, uh, or just Kenneth Martin, and those are two of my Facebook pages. I also have where I put up a lot of photos, but we'll be putting up more. Really, it uh, wasn't just Artsakh, it was other areas of Armenia. So I have lots of photos. Uh, I'll be putting them up on my Zenfolio site. And that's uh, um, zenfolio.com backslash Kenneth Martin Photography again. And you can search uh, all of the files there. Uh, it's a nice software where, uh, you know, if you work for clients, you can have their material there, they can see it, that's locked. But I will leave some unlocked uh, uh, files of uh, a trip to Armenia or a trip to um, Artsakh and people can see them there.
0: All right. Ken, thank you very much for taking some time to uh, remember what I know for you now will be uh, a visit you'll never forget and uh, for sharing your experiences in Artsakh with those of us, uh, some of whom, like myself, uh, never had the chance to go there. It is a love story in in so many different ways.
1: Well, David, God willing, you'll have your chance. Uh, It's still there. Uh, It needs serious humanitarian aid and reconstruction. I'd love it if we were all part of that, and hopefully we'll go there together.
0: I'd love nothing better. Ken, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you so much, David. My very special thanks to photojournalist Ken Martin for his time today. Ken was in the midst of a very busy day. Following our conversation, he went immediately to Copley Square in Boston, where he photographed a demonstration that was put on by the AYF, the Armenian Youth Federation, in support of the people of Artsakh. And our support is what they need. As Knights and Daughters of Vartan, we're doing our part. The Diaspora for Frontline Families Fund created in 2016 by members of Ararat Lodge, raises money that goes directly to the families and especially the children of our fallen soldiers. Sadly, there are now many more such families to care for. You can donate by visiting them at kovcasp.org. That's kov, as in Knights of Vartan, c-a-s-p dot org. There is also the Halo Trust Relief Fund. Halo is currently in Artsakh helping with the removal of landmines and showing people how to avoid dangerous explosives on the ground. They're also providing aid to those who have been forced to leave their homes. You can help this needed effort by visiting our Knights and Daughters of Vartan website at kofv.org and typing in Halo Trust Support. Finally, In a recent letter to all Knights and Daughters of Vartan, our Avak Spadabed Stephen Adams urged us to sign the petition calling for the protection of Armenian historical and cultural sites in Artsakh. It takes just a moment to sign. There has already been great damage to several sites during the recent war. We need to make sure that these sites and many others that mean so much to Armenians everywhere survive. I'll post a link to the petition website as well as the other donation resources on the Talking Vartan Facebook page, so look for them there. Speaking of social media, you can keep abreast of all Knights and Daughters activities by visiting the Knights and Daughters of Vartan Facebook page, as well as our website at kofv.org. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Last but certainly not least, there's our digital and print publication, Avarite. All of our media resources are managed by our wonderful liaison in Armenia, Goharpalyan, whom you can reach directly at knightsofvartan at gmail.com. This year, I think it's safe to say that for all of us, the holidays will be somewhat different. Large gatherings and traveling might not be in the cards this year, but there is still much to be thankful for. For me, of course I'm thankful for my family, my friends and colleagues, and most certainly, for the Knights and Daughters of Vartan, in which I have many friends. I'm thankful to be a part of this brotherhood and to be able, as we all do, to make a difference. I wish you and your loved ones a peaceful, healthy, and happy Thanksgiving. As our parting music, I'll leave you with Haydani Artsakh, Motherland Artsakh, composed by Madeleine Atsaturian from the album The Music of Armenia, Celestial Harmonies, nagorno karabakh I'm OSPED David Medzorg in Lodge number one in Boston.